Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us on this Friday. My name is J.J. Jackson, and I proudly serve as the host of this Locked On Blue Devils podcast. I'd like to thank our presenting sponsor today, Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Locked On Blue Devils, a daily podcast and YouTube show each and every day, five days a week, talking about everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils, and you can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. On today's show, we're going to discuss the Duke football team going for their second victory, or excuse me, second ACC victory of the year against Georgia Tech. And we're so excited to be joined by our buddy Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. Connor, here we are. We look at the calendar. Basketball season is on the horizon. And here we are with five games now completed for this Duke football team. Thanks for the time today, and I hope you're doing well. Doing great. Let's get to it. Let's talk about the Duke football team. First ACC victory in 13 tries this past week against Virginia. They hadn't defeated the Cavaliers since 2014. A lot of boxes were checked. A lot of firsts for the Duke football program, and that was something fun to see for Blue Devil fans. Yeah, um, that was a game that I, I think I went into it not expecting anything in particular. I mean, if if either one won by a lot or if either one lost by a lot, you know, that kind of thing, close game, whatever happened, I was not going to be surprised. But Duke pretty much controlled the entire game. Like, it's it seems so simple. Uh, when Duke gets out to a 20-something nothing lead, yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, they get to run the ball. Their defense can kind of play with everything keeping it in front of them. Uh, so they're 4-0 in games that they get out at least 21 nothing. It's uh, It's a nice little recipe they've got going. It's funny, you get a three-touchdown lead, all of a sudden you've got a little bit of confidence, you've got that cushion that you can play with, and we've seen that a couple of times already this season for Duke football. When you look back and looking at these first five games of the year, what in particular is this Duke football team doing, Connor, that is allowing them to get off to such a great start to games? It's the the balanced offense to me. Uh, they can hit you in a lot of different ways offensively, whether it's getting the ball out in space to guys like Jalen Calhoun, Jordan Moore, uh, or whether it's pounding you into the ground with Jalen Coleman and Jordan Waters. That was kind of the way they jumped all over Northwestern early. Um, they're just they've there's so much more balanced of an offense than I think what people. Uh, myself included, thought they would be this year. I, I kind of had an idea of their running backs were really good and their offensive line could push some people around. They're big and physical. I did not know that they'd be able to throw the ball the way that they're able to throw it. Um, the Virginia game isn't the best example of that. I think Riley Leonard has had his season low in passing yards, but when he did throw it, it was efficient. Uh, and that's that's what you want when, you're, when your running game goes for 200-plus. Um, the other part of the equation is Riley Leonard's running ability, right? Everybody looks at a six-four quarterback and and thinks that you know he's going to be a little more of a pocket passer. Um, he's he's got some speed and elusiveness in the open field, and 
everybody talks about when you when you're in college football, if you can run your quarterback, it it takes away the defense's extra hat. Uh, that's the all the football lingo. Yeah. Um, and they can run Riley Leonard and and feel good about running him. Yeah, you think about this game in particular, looking back at last week's win over Virginia, and and while we do compliment Riley Leonard and his running ability, I think if you were to ask anybody going into it, you mentioned really not having expectations going into that first conference tilt, but if you were to tell somebody, hey, Riley Leonard is going to be held to under 150 yards passing, do you think Duke wins this football game? I wouldn't believe somebody if they said, yeah, I could see Duke winning this football game just because we hadn't really seen that so far this year, and yet they walk away able to do that. Yeah. Um, Jalen Coleman and Jordan Waters really separated themselves. I mean, I went into the season thinking they could play four running backs if they needed to. Um, no team really wants to have a rotation of four. The most you can really get and keep happy and keep in a rhythm is three. And really it's it's – kind of gets tricky when there's three. So you yeah. want you to separate themselves, and that's what Coleman and Waters have done. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on the Georgia Tech game because Jalen Coleman came kind of hobbled off the field uh, there at the end of the Virginia game. You could even see in the in the post-game uh, interview with Coach Elko, um, Jordan not, – not Jordan, Jalen Coleman is, is kind of limping off the field. So we'll see if he's good to go. Like Mike Elko didn't say that he's out long-term. Uh, he did provide that update for two um, key backups on defense, Anthony Nelson and um, Trey Freeman. So Jalen Coleman, they, they think is going to play, but if he's not able to go, it'll be the Jordan waters and Jaquez Moore show and Jaquez Moore. All he did uh, after kind of, you know, he's fallen a little bit out of the rotation. He gets a carry at Virginia and goes 59 yards for a touchdown. So he's clearly ready to go if, if they need him uh, this weekend. Really exciting stuff for sure with this Duke football team. I want to talk a little bit about the defense. They had a 21-point victory against Virginia. Let's give that defensive unit some love. And we're going to do that after our first time out here on today's episode of Locked on Blue Devils. Locked on Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. It's the easiest place to spice up college football. This is why I like underdog fantasy so much. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states. Just pick between two and five players across any team, not just on Duke, and decide if they will finish higher or lower. For example, take a quarterback like Riley Leonard, higher or lower passing yards than the number provided at underdog fantasy. It's one of the easiest fantasies to play games out there, and you can win cold, hard cash in just a single game. Sign up with promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free, go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store and Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code LOCKEDON. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Moving forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, I'm J.J. Jackson alongside my buddy Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. Let's talk about that defensive unit for Duke. Uh, a lot of praise for the offense so far, but uh, let's talk about that defensive bunch. Yeah, Duke's defense, they're they are playing really well. I'm I'm a little hesitant to, to heap praise on them. I think Virginia's offense is that much of a train wreck. Um, it's probably fair. Look, yeah, they're 
their depth is wearing a little thin. That's a that's kind of an area of concern. Like Anthony Nelson, the defensive end I mentioned, is the grad transfer from Harvard. He's given them a lot of quality snaps this season behind uh, VJ Anthony and uh, RJ Oban. So it's it's worth keeping an eye keeping an eye on that unit now. They're not playing world beaters in Georgia Tech's offense, right? Like Georgia Tech didn't have a touchdown until the last 11 minutes against Pitt last week and, and managed to win that game. Um, I I like the way that Shaka Hayward is kind of getting some a little more attention. Uh, he's been a really good linebacker for a couple years, but it's been overshadowed by the defense as a whole's uh, yeah. lack of production, uh, so to speak. So it's really good. Like the Reese Senior Bowl shouted him out for, I think, a 13 tackle performance against Virginia. He was really good. Um, and Darius Joyner, how can you not like Darius Joyner? That guy is is a treat, um, a hard-hitting safety. He's a ball hawk. He finally got his hands on the ball with an interception. Um, he's playing some really good football for them. And Darius Joyner talking in the media a little bit earlier about uh, how much he would be able to contribute to that Duke basketball team, giving them 35 and 10 and <laughs> wanting to spell Jeremy Roach out there on the floor as well. Yeah, what a fun personality. And a lot of people wondering, you transitioned from an FCS school to Division One Power 5 football in the ACC. What's that going to look like? And it's interesting, the secondary was kind of the bigger question that we had about the defensive unit for Duke this season and that hasn't been an issue so far for the Blue Devils this year. Yeah, I, I told uh, Duke's athletics direct, uh, athletics communications person after the first time we interviewed Darius this season, uh, it was back in August, that anytime they wanted to make him available for an interview would not be a problem. He was, <laughs> It was clear he was going to have something uh, exciting, interesting, uh, entertaining to say. And so – I'm glad everybody that uh, got that ACC PM clip got to see that also because he told us the same thing, 35 and 10 off the bench if if John needs him. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the, the secondary, like Jalen Stinson is the only returner who played significant snaps last season, and he's been really good. Uh, Brandon Johnson in the, at the nickel spot, that's been the key spot to me. Uh, that was – you know, you ask me what the biggest difference is between the defense last year under Cutcliffe and the defense when Mike Elko comes in is that fifth defensive back on the field has become a nickel corner instead of a third safety who you can drop into the box and who can blitz. Uh, that's what it was under Cutcliffe. And that needed to change because ACC teams run 11 personnel a lot. Uh, that means that they're running one running back, one tight end, and three receivers, and that third receiver is going to be a slot receiver, and that guy is going to be really twitchy, really elusive, really, really good um, in small spaces. So Brandon Johnson, to me, his his ability to make sure tackles, to cover in the slot, to hold up in run defense is, is huge, uh, and it's really allowed that defense to – to be a lot of a lot more sound than they were last season when they were giving up the most yards in uh, in the country. So Brandon Johnson emerging, uh, there was one stretch where he had um, Duke had forced four fumbles. He had a hand in three of those four with interception and a fumble recovery against Northwestern, and then uh, I think forcing a fumble against A Like he's he's really allowed the secondary to play a lot more free, um, a lot 
a lot better uh, to, to simplify things. Uh, and he's, he's a big reason that Duke's defense is kind of far removed from, from the uh, numbers from last year that had him last in the country in yards allowed per game. Which is what we like to hear. I mean, you like to hear of guys stepping up when needed. You like all the changes across the sport in college football. You mentioned how versatile those slot guys can be, and you need somebody uh, to step up to that task, and it's been Brandon Johnson for the Duke defensive unit. So now we turn our attention to tomorrow's game. Duke travels to Atlanta. They're going to take on Georgia Tech as the season continues along, and this Duke football team continues the home away, home away, home away trend to their schedule for the entire year. This Georgia Tech squad had a head football coach already fired this season. What can we expect out of the Yellow Jackets, do you think, Connor? That's the thing that, uh, you know, I just wrote in the preview that will publish uh, today. It's it's like there's so much about this game that is dependent on Georgia Tech variables to me. Uh, and, and one of the main ones is, does the Georgia Tech emotional response to Jeff Collins firing carry into a second week? Or was that all last week? Did they did they get all of that out of their system last week? And do they kind of revert to the same team they were in the first four games of the year? Um, now, they played some really good teams in those first four weeks. Don't give me wrong, like Clemson and Ole Miss are, are two, you know, really good teams to start your season against. So that's one of the ones that I, I really want to see. Uh, I think the first few minutes of the game will, will kind of tell the story there, like, you know, not only will it answer whether Duke is able to get out to another one of those big leads that let them play from ahead for an entire game, but it'll tell us if Georgia Tech is kind of amped up in the same way that they were last weekend or whether they kind of come back to earth um, in, in kind of their emotions or are more in check. Yeah, with this Georgia Tech squad in particular, you kind of mentioned how wide open uh, the Coastal Division has been in the ACC this year. Georgia Tech turned a lot of heads with that emotional victory last week against Pitt. No one really gave them a chance. And so I think the emotional high is something uh, important to kind of point out there. And then you look at what's next for Duke after this one. You can't get too far ahead, but it's a game that you like to play projecting what this division could look like. You've got the big matchup with North Carolina uh, next week. And so if Duke going into the year – and how the season started were to kind of pick their first few conference opponents, I think you would have chosen Virginia, Georgia Tech, and North Carolina to start out with just to kind of be a measuring stick and pick up a little bit of confidence before they go throughout the back stretch of their schedule. Yeah, I mean, if if you told me going into the season that uh, Duke would, I mean, regardless of this result, if that Duke would be 4-2 and two or 5-1 and one going into that Carolina game. Right. I would have said that's kind of a best case scenario. Um, I, I would have, you know, I, I kind of, I didn't see the the Virginia collapse coming, but yeah, I mean, Duke is Duke is overachieving. I, I don't think it's disrespectful to say that. Like maybe it's disrespectful if I'm in the, if I'm in the team and I'm in the, in the summer workouts and seeing those things, but I'm not. So just from my outsider's perspective, it, it is, it is an overachieving season already so far for Duke. Now the question is how how far can you take it? I mean the coastal, like you said, the coastal is so wide open. Um, you know Miami, North Carolina this weekend is going to probably tell who is the front runner for the for the division in the last half of the season. Uh, and Duke, if 
they beat Carolina, no matter if Carolina wins or loses against Miami, Duke is going to have a chance to play Carolina and Miami in the next two weeks. So they can go and snatch that front runner title uh, and go into November with a chance to win the division, which is just, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Exa- like there's been a lot that's played out to get them to that point. I'm not entirely sure we know all of it, but that's incredible to be saying at this point in the year. Nobody thought we'd get here. And, and yet here we are talking about kind of these crazy scenarios that could legit be in play. And it starts with the game tomorrow in Atlanta, Georgia, Duke and Georgia Tech on the gridiron. All right, we'll take our final break here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils and wrap things up with Connor O'Neill here in just a moment. Make your second listen of the day and second watch. Be locked on ACC. Get more on the conference every day as host Candace Cooper and local experts of Locked On, like myself, take you across the conference in 30 minutes. We've mentioned a lot of great games coming up this weekend. Duke versus Georgia Tech, North Carolina versus Miami. We're previewing all of that action over on Locked On ACC. Make Locked On ACC your second listen of the day. Found a few moments here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. Let's talk about your work, the website, devilsillustrated.com. What can folks find over there, Connor? Well, depending on when they listen to this, there uh, there is coming or there already is a story uh, previewing tomorrow's game. Or, yeah, tomorrow's game. Um, and there's basketball coverage, right? We got a Jeremy Roach feature, a uh, feature about the freshmen kind of settling in and how that's that was a process that started over the summer and is really – kind of coming into full focus uh, now that practices started last week. Duke men's basketball made it official. They announced that Jeremy Roach was going to be the team captain for this upcoming season. We've got ACC tip-off coming up uh, next week in Charlotte as well. So basketball season's going to be here before we know it. You mentioned the profile there at Devils Illustrated on Jeremy Roach. And these freshmen, boy, what an impact they're going to have for this team. But on Jeremy Roach in particular, I think one of the bigger questions is, whether or not this guy can be the guard we saw in the NCAA tournament for Duke this upcoming season. Yeah, that that was one of the things I dove into with the profile. Uh, it's it's talking about um, that he's really close with Emil Jefferson, which I didn't know before uh, media day last week, and they kind of explained it, both of them. Um, they're, they're kind of kindred spirits in the same way that they're both gym rats like Jeremy Roach is texting Emil at all hours of the day or night, uh, whether he can get some extra shots up and whether Emil can come rebound and work with him. And that was going on last year. And so it was really interesting. It was really rewarding to listen to Emil talk about working with Jeremy throughout the year and kind of, you know, we don't have to beat around the bush. Jeremy was not the same player he was all season that he was in the last month. And so seeing everything come to fruition at the end of the year like that it's great but you also want that to continue and you want it to improve going into this year like duke duke needs him to be that type of player or better uh they need him to be a leader throughout the season not just for for one magical march run so the work ethic the the kind of the gym rat uh ness if you can throw ness on the end of that uh that's what they'll lean on to to kind of get jeremy to lead these guys um you know nobody's looking at him and saying he's got to be a 20 point a game scorer uh i don't even know if you would handicap it as he's 
going to be the front runner to be Duke's leading scorer, but he has to be Duke's most important player. He has to be the player with the ball in his hands, uh, directing the offense in late game situations, and then getting Duke into their offensive sets and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that he's he's the he's not just a key cog this year. He is the key cog to me, at least at least before we find out uh, which freshmen are really going to take over and and kind of be the ones that control the game. Congrats to Jeremy Roach. What an honor it is to be a Duke men's basketball captain, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing the year that he can have. We'll have plenty more basketball thoughts and conversations, in particular with you as well, Connor, in the coming weeks as uh, the season approaches and this football season continues to move along as well. Thank you once again for coming on Lockdown Blue Devils today, my friend. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's my good pal Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Connor O'Neill underscore D-I and check out Devils Illustrated. Get a subscription there with the Rivals Network. Great coverage of Duke Blue Devils Athletics. That wraps up yet another show, yet another week here on Lockdown Blue Devils. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Please follow and subscribe to this podcast for free as well wherever you get your podcasts. My name is JJ Jackson. I'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you and good day.